Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 540 on Tuesday, the 29th of August, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week when Rolls-Royce paints a huge hack-me sign, we'll be carefully threading our way down the road. In new new car news, we see one manufacturer not giving up on the B segment. And in points of interest, we dust off our musical instrument cases. But first, we have a smidgen of follow-up this week for a change. News is a bit thin on the ground, everyone. Yeah. You are not going through the marathon that has been the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, as we made up for the four weeks beforehand. Yes, yes exactly. We're going to start with a clean air zone, a very... Um, clean? Uh, well, I was going to say uh, contentious topic at the moment. Yes. <laughs> but this is Bath's clean air zone. And they have reported that since they introduced it in March 2021, there has been a drop of 26% in nitrogen dioxide across the area that is the clean air zone, because it's not all the city. Mm. It's just particular parts of it. And also they say that uh, whereas when they first introduced the scheme, there was 6% of vehicles were non-compliant, and that's fallen to 1%. And now this clean air zone is different from others because it targets taxis, vans, buses, coaches, and lorries. Does not target privately owned vehicles. Yes, not private cars. No. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing. The, the air is improved. That's good. Yes, it is. And what we've linked to in the show notes, by the way, is a BBC article, uh, which means that it is a snippet. doesn't necessarily go into measuring methodologies and the like, which I think would probably be interesting. Yes, yeah, some, some questions do come up, don't they, when you read this? They do. You wonder what the what the measurement methodology is over and, and what period it was measured over. And also, fundamentally, did it result in a reduction in traffic? Yes. But if it uh, resulted in an improvement in the air quality, then really, do the traffic levels matter? I guess it's the follow-on question from that. I, I guess a reduction in both would be, would be a proper win. But, but it would be interesting to see neighbouring areas, because one of the claims when a clean air zone is, is to be implemented, mm. those against it say, all you're doing is pushing the pollution out. Mm -hmm. Now, those neighbouring areas, has their air quality got worse, Yeah, stayed the same, or has, has theirs reduced as well because uh, people have purchased compliant vehicles, newer vehicles that are cleaner, and therefore everyone is benefiting from it in Bath. Taking public transport it's instead, etc. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got to get away from the fact that, is that there are people anecdotally saying that they have noticed there has been a difference in the air quality recently. Mm -hmm. Yep. Next up is a story from Car. We were commenting, was it before we started recording or not? It's all blurring into one already this morning. We were saying before that, that it's been one of the wettest Julys uh, on record. Uh, and at the same time, car damage from potholes has surged significantly. By significantly, I mean by a fifth. What can I say to that? When there is a big hole in the ground it's and it's wet, it's hard to tell whether or not it's just a shallow puddle or a very, very deep puddle, if you don't necessarily know the road you're on. Mm. And the other thing is, of course, if the weather is that bad, you can't actually go out and repair the potholes nope. as well. I mean, uh, here I was I was having a grumble. I was having quite a long grumble last weekend because they had 
Oh, it was a classic piece. Sorry, I'm going to go grossly off piece of what's actually in, written down in the show notes for today. There was the T, the underground, wasn't running because they're repairing the rails so the trains can move faster than walking pace, not an exaggeration, locally. They closed that so there was a train replacement bus service running. At the same time, they had also dug up one of the main uh, crossroads and, and traffic light sets in the town where I am, and it's right outside the the T station. So not only did we have to contend with the fact that they had dug up the road and you had to weave around like an idiot to avoid all the exposed manholes and all that kind of stuff, with half the road cordoned off and police on uh, overtime waving their arms and probably making the congestion worse. Uh, but we had, you know, the, all the extra buses and coaches trying to replace uh, trains. And it was just a total and utter show, cluster, whatever. And I was having a good old grumble about this, and somebody pointed out that really they, they kind of have a limited number of days in which they can do road repairs here in between the winter mm. and it all getting worse again. And all the rain there's been has knocked everything back and forward and whatever else. I mean, that stuff couldn't happen weeks ago, probably. Everything was coming together to form this perfect storm on Hancock Street. So, yeah, it was just such a mess last weekend. Oh, oh, and there was a local festival as well taking place. So many of the streets in the middle uh, had all been cordoned off and pedestrianized temporarily. It was wonderful. It was it was it was utopian. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Uh, Fifty thousand seventy nine call outs to pothole damage in July alone. Uh, that means that over the course of the year to date, that was thirty six uh, three hundred and sixty two thousand one hundred seventy two pothole related issues. So not not great. No, the Rick Green, who is the chair of the Asphalt Industry Alliance, said it would take their estimate of fourteen point zero two billion pounds to tackle the backlog of potholes in the UK. He said, rubbing his hands. Yes, in glee. Yeah, but still, that there are what is it forty two thousand six hundred seventy five miles mm. of road are apparently in poor condition. Whatever the mm-hmm. criteria for that is. What's the takeaway from this? The takeaway for this, listeners, is if you see a puddle, assume it's actually a bear trap. Yes, but also, uh, if you do get damage from a pothole, this article it does a great job of explaining what you need to do mm. and how to try and claim back from the council the cost of fixing your car. But Andrew, let's move on to councils trying to relieve people uh, of, of some money, potentially. Yes, Devon Council has applied for the additional powers that the government has uh, said that councils can ask for to issue motoring fines. Now, Devon County Council said it wants to enforce moving traffic offences with their own CCTV cameras. This includes things like driving through a no-entry sign or making a turn where it's banned, that sort of stuff. But it doesn't go on, again, this is a BBC article, a news article, so it doesn't go into full detail of all the things they want to cover. But they claim that by taking, and I'm going to quote here from the council, taking on these enforcement powers and improving monitoring, it would allow us to improve road safety, reduce congestion and emissions while supporting sustainable travel and public transport. Now, if you're claiming to do all that, 
you're doing more than going through a no entry sign and uh, turning where it, you're not allowed to. I, it would be interesting to see, because they've launched a public consultation on this, uh, it'd be interesting to see whether what they, what they aim to cover. But if you do live in Devon, do check out the public consultation linked in the show notes, uh, in, the, in the article, it's within the article in the show notes, to make your voice heard. They are planning, if this goes through, to initially introduce the, rule, the rules in eight locations across Exeter and Barnstable. And they're saying, the sites have been chosen because of the high levels of offences, and our aim is not to punish drivers, <laughs> yeah, right, but to change driver behaviour to ensure that the roads are safer and cleaner for everyone. Mm. Looking through at the, the sites that they've picked, uh-huh. it seems to be no right turn bus entrance or bus access only or one-way system. They're not actually, doesn't appear to be taking on that much. Um, apart mm. from you went, you clearly went past a sign that said you're not allowed. Yeah. Don't know how that's going to sort emissions. Do you wonder about the percentage of that? How often it happens, really? But yeah. but maybe it is one of those times when stuff's signed and then everybody ignores it, which is not, it's not unknown. Yeah. When I say everybody, I mean people who are likely to ignore things, ignore them. Yeah. Anyway, let's move from the southwest up into Scotland, Alan. Yes. Um, Glasgow was planning to buy 19 hydrogen-powered bin lorries, and it was going to spend £7 million on those. Uh, However, what they're now going to do, they're they're not going to go forward with that, and instead of that, they're going to spend the £7 on uh, electric vehicles instead. Uh, They already have 328, including an electric uh, bin lorry and 180 Nissan Leafs. We had a bit of a discussion about this before. The article's from fuelcellsworks.com. There may be a certain amount of spin applied to, to this generally. Okay, so there's our, there's they are, our warning. They are coming at fare. it from a certain perspective, shall we say. Yes. <laughs> but it says, since the market for hydrogen fuel cell refuse ve- collection vehicles uh, has yet to mature, the council has had to adjust its fleet strategy for 2020 to 2030. It sounds like they're not saying we definitely don't want bin lorries, refuse collection vehicles, whatever. It sounds like either they can't get hold of them mm. because there aren't enough being made. And the cost concerns bit, the, the cost of hydrogen has, has gone up quite significantly because the cost of the electricity required to split the ions, etc., has gone up as well. Mm. Split the ions. That was appalling. I'm so sorry to anybody scientific, but you know what I mean. Form the hydrogen. I thought we'd cover this one because we think there might be a couple of different factors at play here, both uh, a supply uh, point of view for actually getting hold of the vehicles and the chassis, also that the cost of the hydrogen may well have made it un- unsupportable, and, and the combination of the two was was just a bit much, whereas people like Volvo are coming along and introducing kind of off-the-shelf electric trucks for exactly this sort of purpose. Yeah, they've got one electric... As, as is Mercedes as well, by the way, before. Yeah, they, they've got one electric bin lorry refuse collector. Mm. Um, and they've probably seen how it is actually capable of what they want it to do as well. Oh, yeah. Because that was, well, certainly since we began as the, mm. this, this podcast, we always felt that hydrogen was perfect for larger vehicles because of the batteries required but the technology seems to have developed 
and the actual real-world use has shown that electric vehicles, if they have a prescribed area and a base, yeah, it can work. Exactly. And uh, refuse collection is a, is a bit of an outlier in these things as well, because you're not driving very far at all. So in actual fact, as much of the, the energy is being used to power the compactor on the back, probably more of the energy is being used to power the compactor on the back than to actually sort of cover the range you require mm. for that. So I, I think it's, it's a slightly strange one. So this is nothing to do with range. But as well as that, you know, they run from a depot, they sit for many hours at a time, they're not really driven in shifts. Yeah. Um, so they don't have to be kind of in, turn around, swap your driver out again or anything like, like long distance haulage mm. or even into depot. Yeah. A C- couple of factors at play there worth just keeping a little bit of an eye on. I'm sure the, the non-hydrogen EV hardcore will can find many, many reasons uh, why you would swap over. But I do think it is a balanced number of different yeah. things. Talking of electricity and hardcore, I'm going to stick with Tesla. It's our weekly Tesla. It seems to be our weekly Tesla article. We used to never cover Tesla stories, but... No. They've, they've 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 the come stories a bit thick and fast. Well, the stories have evolved, I think. Well, yeah, it's... This is actually about the business and the company rather yes, than exactly. others involved. But anyway, uh, Tesla has opened their first version four Tesla supercharger station. This is in Tottenham. Transport Minister Jesse Norman uh, did the ribbon cutting. Ooh. Now, there's a couple of things which makes this stand out because if you looked at it, you really wouldn't notice. But there's a three meter cable now, which means that no matter where your charging port is, you should be able to connect up to it without having to go at a funny angle or half mount the pavement or the the base mm. around the charger and all the rest of it. They are CCS sockets, uh, but the most important thing is that you can pay by contactless, <laughs> meaning you no longer have to have uh, have to have the Tesla app and have to create an account to access their charger. So now Tesla is legal with the EV charging regulations and rules. Yay. Let's see how quickly they roll these out. Probably quite, to be honest. But they're not going everywhere. It says in the article how it's, it's not gonna, they're not going to be installed in all their places. Hmm. So I don't know whether that's because some of these locations are at their maximum as far as charge anyway, so what's the point? Possibly. Um, and also if they keep them to just, because not all of the, network is open to other makes for example the ones at motorway service stations because of a previous exclusivity agreement with the electric highway or whatever it's called now grid serve then they had to be kept so they were one brand only so they weren't strictly speaking a public charging network Mm. you had to use the you had to use the ones that didn't work in the past yeah Um, so i'm sure that those are the kind of locations where they're not rolling them out Grid serve will be there to, to, to serve everyone else. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, this is good news. This yes. is this is good. I'm I'm the yes. Very positive. Nice one. Um this, by the way, this is Tesla's biggest achievement. And I think to an extent it's because they've just been left alone to get on with it. Because it's it's totally unsexy. Hmm. The charging network is totally... I mean, in theory, if you listen to the stuff that's been said in the past, then it should all be solar-powered and there should be no need to rely on the grid or anything. 
you can talk to friend of the show, Ed Niedermeyer, to find out what, where all that went wrong. Yes. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, if you haven't read Ludicrous by Ed Niedermeyer, then, then it's well worth it's worth your time. It's on audiobook and stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're not a great fan of, of reading or you want to listen to it as you, as you cruise around the place. But yeah, I think this is really good. And I think that the that, that charging network really is the most important part of, part of Tesla. Yes. But hey, what do I know? That's about the end of the first part, Alan. It is. We have reached Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very, very much, as I say every week, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you everyone that does. In fact, you can do that even if you haven't done any of the stuff up above. Yes. New new car news, Alan. The other week we talked about the Kia EV9 which is a seven-seat electric SUV that originally we said we didn't think was going to be coming here. <laughs> and lo and behold, it is. It is, however, quite large and is probably going to be quite expensive. So there's a smaller version. It's like an EV9 that's been put through the boil wash. Uh, the EV5, unsurprisingly, is smaller. And it has those same, those same cubic looks. As the as the EV9, but but in a in a smaller package. Yeah, I, I I like I really like the look of it. They're obviously using that same central or the same screen configuration that they've mm. used in the EV6, and there's going to go in the EV9. Yeah, which is also uh, Hyundai use in their new models, uh, and it looks really good and is easy to use as well. Having tried a few of their vehicles out, mm. I, I really like it a lot actually. So it's about the same size as the Kia Sportage and is up against uh, things like the Skoda Enyaq, the Mercedes EQB, uh, the Ford Explorer when it finally gets here, and the Fisker Ocean. Everybody obsesses over the weight um, now for for decent reason, to be honest. And this one comes in at just over 1.8 tons, so not... Not ridiculous, but still fairly chunky. Um, yeah. But but pretty good for a, for an EV uh, of that kind of size. And that's about all the detail we know, really, because we don't have prices, we don't have range or whatever silly naught to sixty two. Yeah, the <laughs> speed will be. <laughs> it does have some cool storage solutions though, and lifty up cubbies and under yeah. the boot floor and all that kind of thing. Uh, whenever we do actually get our hands on one. Uh, it would be it'll be pretty cool. Speculation for the pricing, although we don't have you know we don't have actual numbers, but speculation says mm, around about the fifty thousand pound mark would align it with its with its rivals. So it's not going to be a million miles off of all of that. Mm-hmm. Nice looking thing though. Yeah, I like this mm. a lot. Looking forward to trying it out. I always think these look nicely futuristic without being crazy radical. But I think they'll they'll also. L- yeah, they because of that they won't. They shouldn't date too quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely in from the post slash era of design. Yeah, I feel the rear hips have a bit of a hint of Volvos from the early two thousands. 
Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Slight flaring in the lights and yeah, 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 and the and the shapes of the lights as well. Yeah, yes, nice. Uh, Expected to be launched here by 2025. Yes, here being the UK. I will now take us on to the sister company Hyundai, and they we're going to talk about a car that costs twenty thousand pounds. Amazingly, there still are some. However, it is obviously an internal combustion engine vehicle, and it's the refreshed i twenty. They've improved the safety kit or added more safety kit. They've added three new colors and also the ability for over-the-air updates to be enabled. I had an i20N, which is one of my favorite cars ever to have driven. It's so much fun. Um, Their their normal i20s are actually really good as well. Well, I had the N-Line Pro week. And really like that, uh, just nicely specced thing. But even at this, you know, that twenty thousand, well, just under twenty one thousand pound uh, mark that Andrew mentioned for the advanced spec, you still get sixteen inch alloys, LED headlamps, eight inch touchscreen, um, smartphone mirroring, and a leather steering wheel. Yeah, as well as all the all the safety stuff. It's not coming in at, at pleb level. No, and the safety kit will also include cruise control. Uh, front and rear parking sensor, speed warning, lane keeping assist, and automatic high beam. And that's yeah. that's a standard on the entry level. Yes, exactly. So that'll be nice. Turbocharged, three cylinder petrol engines, 98, 100, and 100. Oh, no, pardon me. Uh, with only a 98 horsepower version, uh, the 118 horsepower version, as it says here, is no more. Uh, you get six speed manual, seven speed dual clutch. Um, so you can make, uh, you know, golf R type room noises on your, on, on, on changes. Yeah. Three new colors is lucid lime metallic, which is in the pictures in the article that's linked in the show notes, a lumen gray pearl. Okay. Unfortunately a gray, but meta blue pearl as well. Mm-hmm. So two colors and a, and a gray. Yeah. If you choose the, the, the lime, by the way, then you can also go for the optional lucid lime interior package. You get lime green stitching and uh, some lime green highlights on the inside as well, which I think looks really cool. Mm, yeah. I like that. That's very nice. Yeah, It's a good car we like, and they've freshened it up. Yeah, heading to the other end of the automotive spectrum, Mercedes-AMG have uh, shown off and launched the new GT at, at uh, Monterey Car Week, and they seem to have invented the 911. <laughs> yes. So if you didn't want your rear engine flat six, if you thought that that was the weak point in the 911, you can now buy a 911 that has a front-mounted V8. And it is, yeah, the new AMG GT. It's all-wheel drive. It's 2 plus 2. I think it's pretty good. Well, it looks good if you like the 911, because it basically looks, in uh, silhouette, it's almost the same. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. Mm. I like this a lot, actually. At launch, it comes in a couple of trims. Both have a V8. Uh, you either get GT55 or GT T63 trims. And uh, there will be four-cylinder plug-in hybrid models, etc., cetera, uh, likely to join over time. The low-powered peasant-spec GT55 de- delivers a mere 469 horsepower, 516 pound-feet of torque, and 0-62 to 62 in uh, 3.9 seconds. However... We all know that we would order the biggest number that we possibly can. <laughs> so the GT63 develops 576 horsepower, 590 pound-feet of torque, and 0-62 in 3.2 seconds. 
splatting its way along to a top speed of 195 miles an hour. That's a nice 12 miles an hour faster than the 183 mile an hour GT55. Mm. The only thing, because I really like this, the only thing I am struggling with... Is it the folding rear seats? No. Mm. Um, Is the centre console screen thingy. That just looks so out of place. It does. It, it, it looks like it looks like the photographer left their iPad there and forgot and then took a picture of the interior. It, it does. It is a bit of a, hey, we've designed an interior. Now we're just going to slap this screen right in the middle of it. it it's, and that's a bit yeah. disappointing, I have to say. Yeah. But but the, I, I really like the look of this. Yeah, but I'll, you could live with it, yeah? Um, I don't know. I, I'd need to try it for about six months, I think, if Mercedes are listening. Really? To get a good yeah. old test? Yeah. 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 Nice try. Mm-hmm. Anyway, talking of things that where we won't need to worry about a screen, and this is the new BAC Mono. Spot the difference, I think, is what this is going to be used as. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the Mono is a single-seater road car, just about road car, but more mm. focused for the track. A manufacturer that is based up in Liverpool and make this stunning single-seater sports car that, uh, and also because of that, the experience of being an owner as well and mm. all the things that go along with the, with the package and the ability to make this unique, your, your mono unique because you spec absolutely everything to your requirements. Mm-hmm. So it is a, a wonderful bit of engineering and kit. Uh, but they so they've come out with a new one. They are going to use a uh, 2.5 liter petrol engine, which is apparently stronger. They're using uh, bodyworks that was on the Mono R, as well as cockpit tweaks, and it's just it's going to be sensational. These these are really cool things. If you've ever seen them up close and up close and personal, then then they are beautifully created vehicles. It's it's very cool. Yeah, it's going to be Euro 6 compliant, actually. Uh, that's hmm. the changes with the engine. Yeah. So that, that's uh, important. Prices start at £215,000, so it's not for everybody. <laughs> no, but it's not. On, the thing is that when it comes to supercar money, that's not ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a bit more than the Mercedes... AMG GT we've just talked about. Yeah. But that is essentially a production line vehicle. This, you know, sure, you can you can choose the colours and the interiors and you can choose some quite lurid colours and personalised interiors and all sorts of stuff on the Mercedes, but not to the way that you can spec the mono. Yeah. And and it's very much, it's, it's your car. It's built for you. And I'm sure that if you bought one and rather than ever sort of buying a second one unless you crash it, you could probably have it continuously upgraded yeah i mean they do things like they mold the seat to you and all that sort of stuff Mm. as well Mm. so you know it really is your your car um they interestingly they took this on a a a test day at anglesey circuit in wales well they took the more powerful mono r and it took between three and five seconds off the lap times of the ferrari sf90 and the mclaren 765lt doesn't surprise me claiming the outright lap record so Quite quick. It'd be interesting to see if one of these is um, entered for the uh, race remembrance. 
<laughs> See how many? T- yeah, no, I don't the, think the, the so. The car I, I, that lapped everyone the most. <laughs> I think. I think that. I think yes. I think there would be words or such an incredible penalty on it. They'd yeah, have to have no. people like sitting on also, it whilst also, it drove around to slow it down. Yeah, I was going to say also no roof, but that doesn't hold back the caterers. So anyway. no. Shall we talk about another another ridiculous car built to your specifications? Please do. It's another Porsche Resto mod, I'm afraid. And you know, you all know how I feel about Porsche Resto mods. I, I get sick of 964s being cut up to mimic older ones and satisfy the whims of tech millionaires. Uh, yet another Californian company has come out with a, oh no, hang on a minute. Uh, it's 1511 design is not based sunny Southern California. They are based in Bakewell in Derbyshire. And instead of cutting up another 964, they've, they have uh, taken a 914 uh, instead, clothed it in a similar to the original but different carbon fiber body, put in a 3.8 liter uh, V6 from a Cayman uh, as opposed to the original 2 liter six cylinder. Tweaked it, tucked it, made it a little bit more powerful, added a little bit of downforce, uh, and came out with something which is really quite cool. Yes, I like really this. Really very cool, actually. My only complaint... There's always one. There's always one. No, it seems to have lost pop-up headlamps. Yes. W- one of my automotive aims, which I still haven't managed yet, is is to own a car with pop-up headlamps. And I know that they're probably rubbish. And I know that they change the you know the weight, the, the center pressure and distribution and all that kind of stuff at speed. I still want to own a car with pop-up headlamps. And, and this is lovely. Well, it does make you giggle. But it should have pop-up headlamps. Well, pop-up have- headlamps. Yeah. And you activate them. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, don't know. Um, I've it, never driven a car with pop-up headlamps. Oh, well, even I have. <sighs> Just not fair, is it? No, it isn't, Alan. Be interesting to know what Rich Gooding thinks of this. Yes. So Rich, yes, I did you, think when about you that. listen to this, um, because I know you're, you're not always on the same day that we release it, but if you could let us know what you think of this, because I'm sure you've seen it, because I think it's cracking. I know it's not beautifully faithful to the original, but I think there's enough touches. Like the interior is, re- I think, is superbly done, and I love the fact that it looks like it's a normal Simple. cassette player. Ugh, but that's just one. Of, uh, that's just that's just an off-the-shelf Blaupunkt Bremen of the new style. It's even got yellow. It's I see it's got blue backlighting in this particular one in the picture, and it should really have orange backlighting. Anyone knows that? Duh. Uh. Anyway, uh, in case you wonder why we're picking out Rich specifically, it's because he wrote the book on it. So if you do want a good book, the history, development, and all the different specs, then uh, then his is, I was going to say his is the one to buy, but I think really his is the one to order that one up off Amazon or wherever you get your good books from. Also worth mentioning, clicking through to the 1511 website and going to the 914 button at the top and just seeing some of the visions, some of the more photos than there are on the Haggerty site. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take us to China. And this is the news that the Chinese state planner has approved Xiaomi's, uh, who are a mobile phone maker, plans to build electric vehicles. Now, why this is important is because this is only the fifth company that has been given this permission by china by chinese by the chinese government yes because i wondered why we'd included this and included it here 
But it's you think that there's loads and loads, and as, as you pointed out to me, Andrew, you think that there's loads and loads of Chinese brands. There are. And there are. But really, there's only four companies behind them all. Yes, they're, they're so all Gilio, subsets. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, all a sub, they're all offshoots of these, these same four manufacturers. I mean, I dread to think... I dread to think what Ash in Geely's wall looks like where he's tried to map all the companies they own now. Yeah. Because <laughs> they will, it will be a bit like, you know, those uh, uh, like natural history, the animals started with this. And then this is where all the different, um, what do you call them? The, yeah. Uh, there's uh, uh, phylums and yeah. I don't know. I'm not the wrong wrong type of science. But the for classifications me. as they spread out, and you've got the mammals yeah. and the insects and the birds. And, and, and you know how, how the Zika is different from the Lincoln Co. You know, and yeah. all these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So t- it's just worth. That was a super quick one, but it's just worth mentioning. Just worth mentioning that that will start coming through. So look out for more and more families of brands coming from. From Xiaomi, basically. Yep. So yeah, from that into points of interest. And this week, uh, as every week, uh, we start off with a lunchtime read. And it's from a friend of the show, um, a great, great supporter over, over the years, uh, Alex Goy. And it's all about how uh, a road trip in his Morgan three-wheeler kick-started his mental health journey. It's worth reading on a couple of levels. First of all, though, it's worth saying there was a similar article um, was published in Jalopnik well a while ago, significant time ago. It seems to have been lost to the joys of Geo Media, the owner of Jalopnik. So this is this is new one. Some bits are similar, but it's it's it is a new version with a whole load of of photos as well. Part of the trip was. Was he was he was given a Polaroid camera to see what he could do on on the way as well. So so the photos have a well, they're all square, they're all Polaroid styley. It's a nice story to read, partly for the car stuff and to look at the pictures and to hear about the people's reactions to that kind of thing, but also for all, all the other things that that go along with it. And it's just it's it's just great. Yeah. It's well worth fifteen. 20 minutes of your time to just go through it, look at the pictures, read the words. It is set out like a slideshow. But yeah, take your take some lunch time and, and have a read of that because it's 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 darned good. Yeah, it's a good one that one. Mm, excellent, thank you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm going to take us to list of the week. This is Autocar, and it's a slideshow again. Not as big as we've been previously linking to. Only the 19 slides. Just like to say, if you do know of a good source of lists of the week, they do seem to be short on. Uh, they do seem to be short in supply again at the minute. They go through fits and starts, and we gather mm. many, many, many of them, and and we sort of hoard them when we when we see them. But we are running out of that list. So please, if you do see good lists of the week, preferably ones that are accurate and correct, so not AI generated. When I say preferably, I mean not ones that are AI generated. Yeah, well, we won't use it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Yeah, um, then then that would be gratefully uh, appreciated. Um, I do sort of drop hints anytime I see motoring journalists, but it's been a while since I've seen motoring journalists face to face. So yes, list of the week submissions gratefully appreciated. Mm-hmm. Title of our list for this week, though, is the cars fast vanishing from our roads. Mm. Alan, through all these. 
Well, this is more about types of car, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yes. So rather than specific models and saying, oh, look, there are no more cult Sigmas on the road anymore. I think inspired by the fact that Volvo decided that it, thanks to sales, it was going to get rid of the saloon and the, and the estate. Well, it's, the thing is, thanks to sales is always, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable reason to get rid of stuff. Mm. So I'm going to say commercial. So the, the whole, one of, one of the, the headings here is, is commercial. So the whole car-derived van type setup. You remember that, you know, you used to get Astro vans that were essentially an estate with no windows and back doors, mm. that kind of thing. Fiesta vans as well. Uh, yes. Well, they've, of course, been, they're now the Transit Connect and no, the Transit Courier. Does that still exist? Possibly not. I think it's now still a transit courier. Yeah, stuff like the the mini club van, which was the clubman with the van back, which I thought was really cool. That, to me, was one of the coolest mini yeah. variants that, that there's ever been. So, yes, okay. that's my choice from the, the list. Mm-hmm. I have got one that I think is, is all you. All right. That's a bit worrying. Roadsters and two-door 4 by 4s <laughs> There's a little bit of truth in that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean that, that was one. your that was your driveway when we started the show. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a very fair point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is I can't argue with that at all. Yeah. So you're the reason these are disappearing, Alan, it's your fault. No, it's not my fault, because I buy them, you see. That's the thing. I'm I'm the people who keep them on the roads. Do you want to take us to the end finally? And finally this week, I haven't had a chance to watch this yet because it came out on Friday and it's been a rather busy weekend, but it's Wanted, The Escape of Carlos Ghosn uh, is now out on Apple TV. As I said, I haven't had a chance to watch it. I just saw that it was coming out. I figured it's the ultimate follow-up, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Where the story we've covered in lots of detail over the months um, has turned into a TV show. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I will actually make a point of trying to watch this. Made by the same people that make Drive to Survive, uh, for example. So, um, so yes, let's let's just see. I, it's Apple TV, so that seems to launch everything globally all at the same time. So it should be possible for everyone to see that. Yep. Excellent. Uh, no parish notes this week, are there? Well, maybe we should start mentioning that we will be live streaming. Yes. We th- we hope. All things being equal. Well, weather, weather permitting, which is what killed it last time. Well, yeah, that and then yeah. lack of communication at that point. <laughs> but we will be live streaming uh, both Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon of Goodwood Revival, which comes up in, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yes, we would exactly. love for you to join us as we prattle on whilst mm. watching some fabulous vehicles get thrown around the Goodwood circuit. The challenge is that it's classic cars, so it will very much be prattling on and, and trying not to make too many mistakes as we... Well, there's going to be an awful lot of, ooh, that ooh, looked expensive. That was nice, yes. Exactly. So we're, we're going to try that out and we'll see see how that goes. We'll remind you again next week and then we'll sure remind you on the socials and the run-up as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's about it, I think, for this week. So don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, remember, you can support us financially via Patreon. Please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. 
Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is to search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter or Mastodon, and you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to discuss, I, oh, I don't know, roasters and two-door 4x4s with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can do that uh, on Twitter, Mastodon, Instagram, most of the mature social media platforms where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back very soon. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.